Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode number 85 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. Thank you very much for tuning in once again this week. And I'd just like to say a big thank you to those people who have contacted me recently via LinkedIn, who have kindly linked with me, but also left me a message to say how much they enjoy the podcast. I do really appreciate your feedback and comments and I always reply and often I say in my reply it's great to hear from you because when you send a podcast out there whilst you know the number of downloads you don't actually know that people are even listening or getting any value from it so it's really good to hear from you my listeners so if you do want to get in touch you can get in touch with me via LinkedIn or on my website or email which is alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk I always welcome feedback and any suggestions for future episodes of the podcast. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. Now for this episode, I thought I would talk about something that I'm asked about on a very regular basis by employees, and that is suspension at work. Now, I may have mentioned before, but I do get a number of inquiries from employees who have been suspended or not sure what to do. And as a result of that and the number of inquiries that we receive at Real Employment or Advice, I've created a suspension product. So within that is some guidance, documents, templates that employees can use when they've been suspended at work and they're unsure about what to do. That's if they don't want to get advice specifically from myself or my colleagues. And you can find all those details if you are interested at the Advice for Employees site. So it's adviceforemployees.co.uk. But this week I wanted to talk about suspension because a couple of weeks back I reported in my newsletter and it's up on the website as well, adviceforemployers.co.uk, details of a case in which an employee successfully argued that her employer had been in breach by suspending her. Now the facts of the case were that the employee was a teacher She hadn't been employed for very long by her employer, the school, and she was suspended following allegations of mistreating some children. The result of the case was that the High Court decided that the employer had been wrong to suspend the employee and that they had made a a snap judgment and a knee-jerk reaction. And it wasn't necessary or justified to suspend the employee whilst the matter was investigated. As a result of her suspension as an as a teacher with an allegation over her of mistreating children, obviously it can have a massive impact on her future career and reputation. And so she was successful with her claim in the High Court. And there were some useful points that came out of it from the judgment. And from that, I've produced a suspension checklist for employers, which you're free to contact me to get a copy of, and I'll remind you about the details at the end. But I thought that for this podcast episode, I would run through my checklist. So just give you an idea about what I think employers should be looking at and thinking about before suspending an employee. Now, the reason why it's important to consider this is because if you suspend an employee 
incorrectly or without justification, the employee could resign and claim constructive unfair dismissal if they've been employed for more than two years. If you take the decision to suspend them and you do so in a different way or using different criteria than for others and the employee has a protected characteristic, so for example they've got a disability or it's because of their race, religion, age or sex, those sorts of things, then they could bring a claim under the Equality Act for discrimination. Or as in the case I was talking about, the employee brought a claim for breach of contract because she was employed for a fixed term and she claimed that her employer had been in breach of contract and therefore she claimed the full amount of the remainder of the fixed term contract. So for employers it can be quite costly and therefore it's important to make sure that you take into consideration all of the facts before making the decision to suspend someone. Now the reason why I have a number of inquiries from employees who have been suspended is because their employers have failed to take the steps that I'm going to recommend to you and this has caused uncertainty and obviously then they've caused them to get legal advice which can then escalate things. So it's very easy to deal with the issues at the outset just by going through the the checklist that I suggest. So the first thing I would say to you if you're considering suspending an employee let's just say you've got a disciplinary allegation or an allegation of misconduct is to have a look at what your contracts say and any procedures or handbook that you have it's important to check the employee's particular contract to make sure that you have the contractual right to suspend them and then following that check your procedures to make sure you follow the correct procedure In the event that you don't have a contractual right to suspend an employee, you may still be able to suspend them. However, in certain cases, employees have the implied right to work. And therefore, if you're suspending an employee and they don't have a right to do so in your contracts, then I would recommend that you get some advice before taking that step. The second thing to consider is, Are you the most appropriate person to make the decision to suspend the employee? Now, what I mean here is, do you have sufficient authority to make that decision? And or do you have involvement in the issue so that you can't look at it objectively? If in your organisation it's big enough that there are people that aren't involved who have authority to suspend or to deal with disciplinary issues... I would recommend that you defer the decision to them because it's less likely to be challenged on the basis that you've already made up your mind about their guilt, for example. The third thing to consider is, are there staff members or members of the public or customers at risk if the employee remains at work? Now, this may be relevant where the allegation is, for example, about bullying and it comes from a colleague or a subordinate, someone who's complaining about their line manager, for example. Now, it's not sufficient enough to say there's an allegation of bullying, so therefore you must suspend them while you investigate. You should really think about, is is there a risk here? Is there a danger that the person remains in work and it could cause further harm? You should also look at, and I'll come on to this again as another point in the checklist, but you should also look at whether you can redeploy that person for a temporary period or change people's shifts around so they're not working together or perhaps introduce further supervision so you can make sure that there isn't any additional harm whilst it's taking place. It's wrong just to assume that because the allegation is about bullying, for example, or In the case of the teacher that I was telling you about, the school tried to justify the decision on the basis that children were at risk. But in fact, the teacher had been allowed to continue to teach with those students for a period of time after the allegation became known. 
So it wasn't fair to say that they had suddenly decided that there was a risk when they hadn't for a period of time before. So again, think about whether there are people at risk and if it can justify suspension. The fourth thing to consider when deciding whether to suspend someone is whether there's risk to your business. Is there a risk that if they're at work, they may sabotage the business or cause harm to your reputational customer relations? Whilst this reason may be enough to justify your decision to suspend them, this is more about a commercial decision. So often times you will have to think about, is the commercial risk to my business higher than the risk of my suspending them and them claiming constructive unfair dismissal? And for some employers, it will be higher. The, the commercial risk, the risk to the business is higher to keep that person in situ whilst you're investigating. And therefore, it can justify suspension, but also it's one of those business decisions that you need to make over and above what you think are the employee's potential claims. Number five, have you considered the employee's version of events before suspending them? Now, unless the allegation involves some kind of criminal offence that you're going to be required to report to the police, there really isn't any reason why you can't speak to the employee about it before deciding to suspend. So at least have an initial discussion with them about the allegation and see what they say. You know, it's not like you have to call them in for an official interview or go through the process. You're just asking them about the allegation. And from that, you will be able to hopefully get a gauge as to whether there's substance to the allegation, whether they're going to behave and react badly to it. And obviously give them the opportunity to respond before you decide to suspend. Number six, will the suspension have an adverse effect on the employee's reputation or their future career? Now, there have been several cases involving this argument that have been run by employees where the employees have been successful in arguing that the suspension had an adverse effect on their reputation and future career. I recently dealt with a case in which a store manager who had over 30 years experience with the same employer was suspended for something which, whilst it was a serious issue to be investigated, didn't warrant suspension of that employee whilst it was investigated. And the handling of the suspension was terrible. So the employee was effectively marched off site, removed from the business and their reference to them removed from the business. And it was a really small community. So word got around fairly quickly. The client, my empl the employee client was well known in the community. And so really rumours started to spread very fast that that person had been suspended for something much more serious than was actually the case. And it had a real impact on his reputation and also his well-being because he was hearing all of these rumours from friends and family and, and people in the street, for example, who seemed to think that he had done something horrendous when actually it was a fairly innocuous issue. And so, quite rightly, he could argue that it was a breach of trust and confidence by the employer suspending him. And in fact, in this case, the employer had clearly taken a knee-jerk reaction to removing him from the business. So think about what the potential impact of suspension is on the employee. Number seven, and something that employers often forget, is, is there an alternative to suspension? Do you really need to remove them from the business and suspend them for a period of time? Or can they be moved to a different shift? Can they have something, some responsibility removed from them? Let's just say it, there's an allegation of irregularities with regards to the processing of expenses. If the 
employee's job doesn't involve any other handling of money or potential issues in relation to loss of stock or money, then why not just remove that job role from them whilst you investigate so they can carry on doing the rest of their job? It's much better to consider those things. And if you consider them and then you decide actually really the only option is suspension, the fact that you've made that consideration you've looked at it objectively and you've made notes to that effect will help you if the employee tries to allege that the suspension is a breach of contract. Number eight, is it the right time to suspend the employee? Now, if it's at the very outset of the issue, so it's merely an allegation from one or two people, for example, is it really the right time to suspend them? Or should you be looking at doing those other steps I've said, like talking to them, talking to the employee involved, and getting some more information before you decide to suspend. Or also, as was the case with the teacher that I referred to earlier, have you delayed in suspending them to the extent that you can't really now justify your decision to suspend? Have you left it too long from knowing about the allegation to then say, well, actually, there's a risk here, so we're going to suspend? So think about the timing and whether it's the right time to do so. Number nine, is your decision at this time with this employee consistent with the decisions you've made with others? As I said at the outset, there is a risk that if you behave inconsistently because of a protected characteristic under the Equality Act, that you could have a claim for discrimination against you. So therefore, it's important to look at what you've done with other employees in similar situations and ensure that you behave consistently across the board. So that's my nine step checklist before suspending I mean, ultimately, what you need to be is satisfied that you have reasonable grounds for suspension. Otherwise, there is a really high risk that the employee could claim that you've breached the implied duty of trust and confidence and pursue a claim against you. Now, there are other ways of mitigating the risks and reducing the potential upset for employees who have been suspended. And This involves the way that you handle the suspension. So you've gone through the nine point checklist and you decide, actually, I think it's time to suspend them. So as long as you go through this process, I think it's going to reduce the concern and worry for the employee and also reduce the potential risk to your business. So you should inform the employee of the reason for the suspension. So that is why you've decided to suspend them, not the allegation itself. I don't think it's sufficient to say that you've suspended them to allow the investigation to be conducted fairly. So I would advise you to explain exactly why you've reached that decision to suspend them. You should inform them of the allegation against them, so as much information as you can. There is nothing to be gained by keeping the information secret or trying to hide it from the employee, particularly if you are suspending them so you can investigate. You've got nothing to be gained there. You should tell them when the suspension will be reviewed and by who. So who's going to be responsible for reviewing the decision? I would recommend that the decision to suspend somebody is reviewed at least every seven days and that the employee is informed in writing and verbally, if possible, that they are to remain suspended. You should tell them of the proposed timescale for the investigation. It really surprises me the amount of people that call me or contact the office and say that they've been suspended and they have no idea why they're suspended, they've got no details of the allegation and they don't know how long it's going to take and oftentimes they've been suspended for two, three, four weeks with no idea about how long it's going to take. So ensure you tell them what the timescale is and be realistic about it. You should tell them who they can communicate with whilst they're suspended. 
Again, oftentimes employees are told that they can't speak to anyone at work and then this leads to confusion as to whether they can contact HR, whether they can find out about their payroll, all of those sorts of things. So just make it clear who they can and cannot discuss with. And I don't think it's fair to say a complete blanket ban across the organisation unless, of course, it's a really small business with few employees. You should inform them that their contractual rights remain and that they will continue to receive their normal pay and benefits whilst they're suspended. Again, many people are concerned to think that they are not being paid whilst they're suspended and that's because they haven't actually been told so they've assumed that because they're not at work they won't actually be paid. And finally, this isn't a point for the employee, but it's a point for you. If you have suspended someone, you should give careful consideration to the information that you provide to colleagues and to external partners and customers about why someone's not at work. As I was saying earlier, it can have a huge impact on somebody's reputation and future career if external uh, bodies and customers and even colleagues believe that they've been suspended or removed from the business for something untoward or that's much worse perhaps than they have been. So do ensure that you give careful consideration to what information you give out. Now, as I say, that's a really quick rundown of the checklist and the key points that I think you consider when you are suspending an employee. Now, I have put that information into a PDF, so a free document that you are very welcome to have a copy of so you don't have to frantically make notes from the podcast. So if you would like a copy of the free suspension checklist, then you could drop me an email and you can send it to suspension at realemploymentadvice.co.uk. Now that will come through to me and I will know that you would like the suspension checklist. Alternatively, if you have any questions or you would like to discuss your particular scenario, you can also email me directly. It's alison at realemploymentadvice.co.uk. As I said before, we have produced a free suspension toolkit for employees. So if you have any employees who have concerns or you're an employee yourself, or you have any colleagues or friends who might be interested, and that can be downloaded on the Advice for Employees site for just £36. Now, I don't like to use the podcast as a sales channel. Um, Clearly, it's for information and providing you with details that are useful to you. But I would like to just remind the listeners that I do run an employment law solicitor's practice. Uh, There's myself and my colleague Miranda are the solicitors. And we've recently been joined by Abby, who's our apprentice business administrator, who helps us out with all the admin and things in the office. And we've also got our business manager, Tony. So we do offer advice and assistance to both employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. And for employers and business owners, we have our HR Harbour service, which is a monthly retained service, which provides various levels of advice and assistance. And that starts from £150 a month. And it really is something that our clients, the employers that we have on board on the HR Harbour at the moment, really find invaluable. It's not just about dealing with problems. We help to prevent problems from arising, to provide reassurance with employee issues, and also to give a guiding hand when it's needed. 
So as always, if you'd like any more information about that, or you'd like to get in touch with us, you can contact me, alison at realemploymentadvice.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening again. I do hope you have a great week and that you've enjoyed this week's podcast. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.